Hello and welcome to Down to Book, the appendix podcast for train pop culture in which we discuss nothing but literature. This series will see us read and review a different book each month or so, give or take the time frame. I'm Strawny and with me as always, Burns, Johnson, Kimbo. This month we read and reviewed The Shadow Man by a new author known as David Budd. It's from a new publishing company based out of Manchester. David himself, I think this is his first book, as far as I can find out. There's nothing come up on any swift Google searches. It just seems to be this is his debut. Um, it's been seven years in the making. What have you guys taken from it? Um, it, was, it was an interesting story. There were some aspects of it that I really enjoyed. I did not realise that he'd spent that long writing it. Um, doesn't feel like it's been seven years in the making for me. I don't know. Like I didn't. I didn't dislike the book. I got through it fairly quickly. It's a very light read. It mm. was an read as well. I didn't kind of struggle to get into it. Um, the pace is a little slow to start with. It does pick up towards the end. It seems to speed right through the very end. <laughs> Generally speaking, it, it isn't. It's not a bad book. It's not a bad story. I feel like there could have been more of it. Yeah, I'll I'll piggyback off what Matt said there. Um, seven years seems a long time for what we got. I think he does certain things very well. I think the characters, especially, felt really yeah really alive to me. Like I felt. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, I, I could have seen that person walking down the street. Like, they, they felt really realistic, which is very odd in a sci fi fantasy setting, kind mm. of. Um, but yeah, the, the, the main issues for the book for me are, are the pacing, especially the, the. It's divided into parts one, two, and three. Part three, especially, feels like it's really just rushed through. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on this, Kimbo. That, uh, yeah, the as, as I was saying to my wife uh, about it, the characters are very, very well fleshed out. Each one, I knew who each one was. Like in some books, you can sometimes lose, like some of the background characters. Uh, they'll say, "Oh, this person A," you know, person A. And says this or did that, and you go, oh, which one's that again? But with these ones here, yeah, I, th- I thought the characters were quite well fleshed out. That for me, that was one where you know you've said it took seven years, and I was like, right, most of that then was on working out his characters, then because I could see they were, I I knew sort of who they were, and I could understand how they were acting and the sort of the different personalities. But uh, overall, it was um. Was a, it wasn't it was an enjoyable read. There's one or two things um, I'll get to I'll, we'll, I'll get to later that I had a bit of an issue with. But overall, the book was but the book was an enjoyable read. It was um the story the actual story itself the idea was quite was quite cool. Um, but yeah, the pacing was a bit off. Like you say, it was like Kimbo said, it was in three parts. Part one seemed to drag a bit. Part two was was well done and it flowed nicely and then part three felt very much like ah crap it's the end what do i not not quite what do i do but it's all 
right i've got to get from i've got to get from here to there um right let's get there felt a bit rushed but overall an enjoyable read you know it's, it wasn't a bad book by any standard i think the, the the time it took him to write it it may not have been like a constant thing like obviously people like stephen king write how many work pages a day this guy's a first-time author by the sounds of it. I don't think he had the, the amount of time per day to write. Mm-hmm. So seven years, like you think, like if he had time each week to write maybe three pages a week or something, you still considerable time to do that. Um, and re- any research you had to do on top of that, I think seven years in terms of book, for your first one, I think especially like your first one, you're going to take your time with it. You might not want to rush it. Yeah, and I say, like, to be fair, like, you do you do have a point there. Like, there was a massive gap, like, using Stephen King as a, a reference, piggybacking off what you've just said. Like, the gap between one of the Dark Tower books and the next one, I think there was, like, 15 years. Um, mm. Because it was, like, he knew what he wanted to do, but he didn't have it fully in his head yet. And he wouldn't commit it to paper until the story had come to him fully so and I think like um outside of this recording um Strawn has said to me that um this was something that an idea that he had he started a project it didn't go where he wanted to so he put it aside and he came back to it at a later date and it then became this book so I suppose all things considered seven years probably actually not too bad I completely agree with what you said, Johnson. I think, and, and you, Kimbo, um, the characters themselves. I think he he was very intelligent in keeping the amount of characters in the book really stripped down. There's like a handful mm-hmm. of key mm-hmm. characters to just go back to over and over and over again because there's just this little tight group that you're focused on. You can get involved with them. I think that was a massive plus point for me like I cared about Faith and what was going on and I cared about yeah. Stephen and what was going on yeah. and I was about Stephen's mother and how she was coping um, mm. uh, trying to say as much as I can at this point of the podcast without <laughs> going spoilers um, but uh, yeah the, the characters themselves were quite engaging and the overall story and kind of massive elements of the story were really interesting mm. At the end of it, by the time I got to the end of the book, like I read it in like a handful of days. I, I got through that really quickly. Um, and I, I'm a bit of an avid reader anyway. So if I get into a book, I'll just annihilate it in kind of a yeah. few seconds. And that's it. it. It wasn't one that I was kind of like, oh, I really need to get to the end. But I, I was interested. There was just there was aspects that I found that like there were really interesting points that I felt that realistically I'd have I'd have been happy to wait another three years and give him <laughs> the time to just develop it that this yeah. I can think of three or four things that I would like to have been given like an entire chapter on x and yeah. more detail on y and you know I there were certain points that as well as he's fleshed out these handful of characters aspects of their stories and how they intertwine felt very skeletal for me and it was a shame because that skeleton was really interesting mm. i just wanted yeah. a lot more on those bones yeah no i i it's just as an overview just so the listeners can get an idea the book it's the book itself um set in a, a northern midlands uh city um 
essentially uh, a boy, uh, well, a teenager, Stephen, uh, meets a girl, Faith. Turns out she's um, from the traveling uh, traveling community. He goes back to meet them. He interacts with them, and uh, and then some supernatural things start happening around everything. And it's how the supernatural um, events sort of take place alongside um, the, the the relationship between Stephen uh, and Faith, and the relationship between um, Stephen and this tight-knit group of travelers uh faith has a twin brother called thomas um and both of the um, both of them are uh it's made clear throughout the book and this isn't a spoiler that they are um you know special they're psychically special and it's it's how the the supernatural events sort of take form uh through uh, throughout uh it's yeah overall it's uh, overall like you said burns it's a the story itself is interesting and quite good. It, I actually did actually care about the the characters. I knew who they were. I knew what their motivations were, where they came from in that sense. But you're right, there's certain aspects of the story where it was just a bit bare bones of the story. It was like, oh, we, we could have had this part. Could you have explained a bit more of that part and so on? But, yeah. Overall, not a bad read. I'd like to add, because I didn't actually say what I actually thought of the book. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the book. It's a pleasant read. Uh, it's a nice, light read. Um, if you're going in there expecting exceptional fantasy writing, his, his writing of the more human aspects, I think, is a lot superior to his fantasy writing. The fantastic mm. bits didn't. The fantasy bits didn't feel as fantastical as they could for me, personally. Um, and as someone who reads a lot of fantasy, that that was that was kind of a disappointment for me. Um, but the character, the character work, especially with Stephen and Faith, especially on top of that, mm. uh, was was really good. Um, yeah, I have nothing more to add. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that's particularly like I'm trying not to be too negative with it because generally speaking, mm-hmm. overall, I think it was it was a it was a decent read. It was a good read. I don't necessarily read a lot of fantasy books, but as it's going to be very apparent over the course of this particular um, podcast, I'm a big Stephen King fan, so I'm not far removed from things that are a bit supernatural based. Um, I agree with Kimbo. I think that the the supernatural aspects of the story were weaker than the human aspect of the story. But when you mm. consider the length of the book, this is this is basically a novella. This is a it's a it's a yeah. short, it's a light read. Um, considering the length of the book, on balance, he's done quite well to get such well formed human beings over um in such a small amount of time i would just personally speaking and this is purely my opinion i would rather he have taken another few years away and maybe double the length of the book and finesse the supernatural part because that's ultimately the bit of the story that he's going to pull you in with yeah so uh, 
I thought it was, to be honest, I thought it was a novella. Uh, I looked at the length and uh, as I was going through reading, I thought it was a novella. Now, with his supernatural stuff, I, I totally sort of agree it wasn't quite as fleshed out. It felt very sort of early Lovecraft in the way it was done. There was so it was very sort of it was rather than actually writing the stuff, which is what Lovecraft did in the early in his early stuff. It was he was trying to get across ideas, and it was more sort of giving you an i i idea. It wasn't too fleshed out, wasn't too uh, described, and but as a as a sort of technically set in the real world novella yeah it would have been nice like you say for him to have taken out taken another year or two or three just to flesh those flesh those bits out because it it's sort of a bit yeah it is a tad jarring when his character work is so well developed but then the fantasy aspect is a bit bare bones it's a bit a bit juxtaposition there but yeah i think like the for me at least the the fantasy the kind of supernatural aspect of this book felt a little bit like he wasn't entirely sure of the full backstory of it like he'd got the he'd got the kind of the the center of the idea but wasn't able to fully explain it because he'd not really considered the wider reaching parts of mm. it. He ended up getting kind of like a TLDR version of the supernatural bit because he, it's almost like he's a lot of it, the, the supernatural stuff for me felt a bit skirted around and like there were suggestions made and you were left as the reader trying to fill in the blanks yourself and I, as like I, I don't mind that to a degree, but like I feel like sometimes you need to be given a bit more. Like mm. I don't mind having stuff left to my imagination, but I think there's a line between giving you just enough. I, I think I used um as an example about this sort of thing, um, Strawn um a few days back. Uh, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, but. Like leaving stuff to the imagination in the right way is like when you're watching misery. Mm. Um, and stay with me because it's a valid point. <laughs> I know it sounds <laughs> on tangent, but it works. You're watching misery, and there's a shot of Paul's feet with a block of wood between them, and then there's a shot of Annie with a sledgehammer, and you see a swing and it cuts away, and you don't see. <clears throat> yes, you do. Yeah, you do. In, in a certain cut, you don't. It, I'll, I've, I must have seen the full cut because you see the you see the full thing. She swings and you actively see the ankle snap and uh, and go to the side. Okay. It's it's pretty it's pretty graphic, but I'm uh, I'm a, an absolutely huge film nerd, so I've probably seen multiple versions of mo most films <laughs> out there. I, I tend to get my films in various different ways, so. You, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. There's other bits in that film that are left to the are left to the imagination. There's, um, uh, I believe, uh, yeah. There's the like, bits where she's wheeling him around, and then doesn't she tilt? Doesn't she push uh, tilt him down the 
cellar stairs and you don't actually see a crippled man fall down the stairs but there's enough there to leave it to your imagination yeah like in in the 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 cuts that i'm talking about like it 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 does kind of um it's a really good example if you're watching this particular cut then but like (laughs) you don't don't see his feet wrapped around the wood you see the swing and then it cuts away and you hear him screaming and that's giving you all the information you need to make the next connection yourself without having to see it. And I think that's, mm. intelli- that's an intelligent way of giving minimal information, leaving the rest to the yeah. consumer, and it works. But I don't think that some of the... I don't think he gave us quite enough information to make those links. Yeah. He'd suggest something, and I'd be like, oh, okay, I want more. And there was, there was too many possible roads that you could go down for it to be okay. Like there, there, there were certain aspects and plot points of the story where I was like, I need a little bit more to be able to mm. whittle down the, the roots of possible options down to maybe one yeah. or two. That I feel like, okay, this is what it was. I just needed more from him about yeah. quite a few of his well, plot points. Yeah, well, before we continue sort of down down this road, because we're getting into full review territory, I'd suggest at this point we give an ov- overview of, you know, uh, where it's sort of, you know, uh, our recommendation on it uh, at this point. Then we'll, we, we, don't worry, listeners, we will go into a lot more, a lot more detail shortly if you uh, do continue. But at the moment, I'd suggest uh, we do give a sort of a, a quick roundup and say, uh, I'd say, uh, uh, for me, this is a, a session session book, uh, mainly because that's how I did it. I did it in two sittings. Uh, I did about uh, about a quarter of the book in one sitting, and then seventy five percent of the uh, in the other sitting. And, and again, that was down to the pacing. So I'd, uh, for me, I'd I'd say this is a session one. You sit down and give it a good crack, but it's it's not one that you can't not put down. I mean, just for the listeners at home, um, to give a little context, we, we, we're we not going to be tackling books that we're going to say don't read. That's not productive. Reading is wonderful, and we actively encourage you all to pick up a book, however that is, whether it's Audible or a paperback or, you know, on the e-reader. Read as much as you can. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. So in terms of recommendations, what we're going to be looking to do is we've got three categories. We have must-read which is basically buy it now and inhale it immediately in one single sitting because you, your life depends on doing so. It's that good. Uh, sessionable one is something that you can, you'll allow yourself a few hours a day and you'll get through it quite quickly, but you don't necessarily feel like you can't put it down. And then thirdly, we have break book. So, you know, when you've got like 10 minutes spare, something you can dip in and out of. You have every intention of getting the book read, but there's no kind of, sense of urgency to do so it's something you can revisit give it 10 minutes a day kind of thing whether you're on the toilet or on your lunch break at work or waiting for a bus so we've got must read sessionable and break book and as johnson's indicated he's found this as a sessionable read um but what about you guys kimbo how do you feel about it i felt this was a break book i thought it was a good break book i it was a better break book I have nothing further to add. I read it in like <laughs> 10 minute increments. It's like sat in bed, had 20 minutes, read the book. 
stand the toilet, the uh, I'd mm. agree with him. For me, this was a bit of a break book. I kind of did 10, 20 minutes a day and got through it relatively quickly. I kind of put it down and then came back and did another 10, 20 minutes and came back to it and suddenly it was gone. I didn't feel compelled to get it finished. Um, but I did enjoy it enough to want to see it through to the end. Mm. Yeah, I'd I'd edge more towards uh, the session book, but I, I could put it in between the two, to be fair. Um, there was parts where I was compelled to read it, like at, very much at the start. I, I really enjoyed it, and it had me grasped from the beginning. Um, but as the pace sort of went a bit off kilter, it sort of like, yeah, I wasn't as as drawn in. Right, guys. So now we're going to deep dive into dark spoiler territory. If you are interested in reading the book, we'd recommend picking it up, giving it a listen, then resuming on your podcast listening application of choice. But in the count of five, we're gone. Are we actually going to count to five? We're going to count to five. We're not counting to five. We're going into deep dark spoiler territory now. We've had one. Goodbye. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. If you're still listening and it's spoiled for you, not our problem. Yeah, guys, we've given you plenty of opportunity. We are now going to go deep cut. (laughs) So if you've not read it and want to, go and read it. Come back and join us after you've read it. But you've had warning. We're going into it now. I think I will will, uh, put on my headlamp and dive in first for spoilers. (laughs) So, the way I like to review things is in a sandwich. Everyone loves a sandwich. Hit them with the good, fill them with the bad. Bit more good to end. Lovely stuff. So, my good slice of bread, number one, is I kind of need to just go back in on the character work because it's so, it really does need commending. Why, if there was no freaky deaky supernatural fantasy shit in this book and it was literally boy meets girl mm. Luke at uh, boy overcoming prejudice to be with traveler girlfriend I would I would still read that book he did such a good job and showing mm. how faith and her and her traveling group faced adversity and how Stephen in his young reckless stubbornness would rather be with faith in their group than his family and friends. I, I was more interested in that than, you know, the freaky deaky shit that was going on. <laughs> um, like, I could picture myself being on those nights out. I could picture myself, you know, in, in their shoes. It, it was relatable. It was real. And, it, and seeing that it's aimed at, you know, older teenagers, you know, probably hit quite hard and close to home for some of them because, you know, there's prejudice everywhere, let alone against the traveller community. Mm. I will then roll into negatives because Mm. negatives. So the fantasy thing really was a big negative for me. Um, I really enjoy fantasy writing. Uh, I grew up with fantasy. You know, I grew up on Harry Potter's and the inheritance cycle and you know deep fantasy, um, and I'm aware this isn't quite as deep, but the 
the way it's done, I, I really, I felt it was a bit wishy-washy. Like, yeah. how it explained the power sets of mm. Thomas and the old guy and Faith. Uh, um, and that kind of feeds into the end as well. The end was not the, not the epilogue and not the funeral, but, like, the big end. Mm. Uh, yeah. For, um, you know, the kind of final battle. I was just like, what the f- what have I just read? I had to reread it three times because I was convinced <laughs> I'd missed something. Yeah, like, I was like, I missed, I've missed a detail because it literally went from Faith's gonna die to oh, Faith's Faith's won and the old guy's gone and yeah. she's holding Thomas. What? 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, um. Then the positive to end. I really like the epilogue. <laughs> I know it's like such a <laughs> weak cop out, uh, like kind of thing, but the epilogue's really good. Like, it's a way to get you hooped in. Mm. Admittedly, it means nothing for the rest of the book, and it kind of fakes you out a little bit because I was convinced Faith was dead up until Faith wasn't dead. I was like, <laughs> Faith dies. Faith burns to death. That's the end of the book. Mm. Or they, or that's the end of a segment, and then they go back to the little girl. Like the epilogue's a great fake out, and also, you know, it got you hooped. But yeah, there is Kimbo's review sandwich. Nice. I like review sandwiches. Yeah. I, I can go for a sandwich myself. <laughs> um, I'll go next. Um, positives, I'd, I'd have to agree. I do, I do think that like Faith, particularly Faith and Stephen. I think are really well fleshed out. Um, I think a handful of the travellers are equally as well fleshed out. I feel like the the nights out, like they're, they're tangible. Like we, we've had nights out like this where there's some dickhead causing a scene in the takeaway mm. and you're awkward and you're like, you, you're looking at your mate going, please don't say anything fucking stupid. We've yeah. all, all done that. Um, so that that felt really good. And I liked it. And then, but then to kind of segue into my sandwich filling, um, <laughs> there were just so many aspects that I felt were really, really underutilised. For example, like Thomas, there was so much more you could have done with him. Mm. Just like he, he is moody and he's disappeared into the woods. I'm sorry, that just felt a little bit, not lazy, because that's really mean-spirited, but it just felt like underdeveloped like he's the the author's clearly had this cons like this idea that you know thomas is swept away and he he sees the the stone circle and the old man slash shadow man kind of sucks him in and tricks him but like you have to kind of make a lot of those connections yourself i felt like he used thomas as kind of a a get out of jail free card or (laughs) <laughs> Something's happened. I can't really explain it. I'll blame it on Thomas. Yeah. Well, I want, yeah. I want point A to happen. I don't know how to get to point A from where I was. So, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas Thomas is, is the way. Thomas is my vehicle of choice. But, like, even that, like, t- Thomas was a legitimate vehicle, but we were just never given quite enough to make it feel... 
I don't know. Like, I found it really hard to care about Thomas falling and becoming... Yeah. Like, he's clearly trying to be painted as the guy within the gyps, like, the, the travelling community, that the, the other guys are a little bit wary of and he's got a bit of a reputation, clearly because he gets warned in the, the takeaway to watch his mouth and not start anything. So he's clearly got a reputation... But then, like, the, the stone circle happens and he's clearly tricked into some awful power. But there's just not enough. Like, I don't I don't want to just know Thomas disappeared into the woods. What the fuck happened in the woods? Give me those chapters. I want the chapters of Thomas being basically seduced into this dark energy that ends up seeing him later on in the book. For, for Because in terms of the book, you've got Thomas goes to the circle... Thomas is very absent. Thomas is now some sort of spirit energy murking people. And there's no there's just no proper build-up to that. And you've he's spent so much time developing this amazing nuanced relationship between Faith and Stephen, and then gives absolutely no, none of the same energy and time. And consideration for Thomas, who is an absolutely central character to this. Without mm. Thomas descending into this evil energy, the story doesn't happen because we're left to assume that Thomas starts the fire at the festival. We know that he kills Brandon, but we, you know, that it's a late reveal. And there's there's no there's so much detail just omitted. Give me the chapters on what Thomas does in the woods. Give me the chapters on Thomas's seduction into the dark energy. Give me chapters on Thomas and Faith when they were kids and the Shadow Man and how the Shadow Man came to be and how it haunted them as kids and this malevolent thing. I want to know that. I want to know those three things bare fucking minimum. I want those chapters. And you've already set a precedent at the start of the book with older Stephen with a beard talking to some girl that apparently has some sort of sixth sense or some shit, that you're not going to be telling things necessarily chronologically because it immediately goes from this intro with the little girl to young Stephen. And you know, from that point on, you know that this whole story arc is building to something fucking shady happening at a caravan site where everybody ends up on fire. That is given to you in like the first chapter. Hmm. And if, you, if you're going to jump through time that way, use it as a device. Other authors use that as a device. Chuck Lanyuk does not tell any story he's ever fucking read, uh, written chronologically, pretty much. Like, there may be a handful, but, like, most of his books are non-linear, and it works. So get to a point where Faith goes, oh, I think there's a man watching me in the woods. It's creepy. I think it might be the Shadow Man. And then go back in time. Thomas and Faith as kids. Thomas building up the Shadow Man and talking to her about the Shadow Man and their powers and how they're like developing these powers as kids. And I just I wanted so much more. There was these re there was these beautiful little gems. It felt like he gave us these little nuggets of gold, like, oh look, they were creepy as kids. Oh look, the Shadow Man. Oh, Stone Circle. And then like just went. Yeah, I don't. I can't really be asked to talk about these at length. No, give me them. I want like, I want that. I want chapters on Thomas. I want chapters on Thomas and Faith. I want chapters on the Shadow Man. 
The book's called The Shadow Man. He is possibly the most under-discussed and developed character in the whole fucking book. And I just think, like, The Shadow Man, the bare concept that you got from, of him was too interesting to spend that little time developing and talking about. Give me the fucking... I want the back history of The Shadow Man. Give it to me. Double this book. Give me the bits that I want. Ra. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of piggybacking on what you just said, um, I don't even feel like the Shadow Man. The Shadow Man's obviously the big bad in the book, but how it's built up, Sean kind of feels like the big bad in the book. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm way more aggroed against Sean than I am the Shadow Man because I have no fucking clue what the Shadow Man wants or is about. Sean just wants to fuck shit up because he's a prejudiced prick, which is way easily for you know for someone who is based in reality. That is mm. way easier to more. That's way easier to identify with and go. Yep, that is a negative trait. I do not like this person. Than ethereal general yeah. shadow maniness that you don't understand motivations for, or why they're doing what they're doing, or what are they actually doing. Yeah. None of what the shadow man does is explained well or makes sense. Yeah, this is where I interject with a bit of a. Uh, I, I see your point, but I disagree personally. It might be that I've read, I've read too much sort of Lovecraft and that work, but for me, it came across quite convincingly that the Shadow Man is just an ancient evil, well, an ancient darkness and corruption of power that uh, does just want to. Um, he even says himself when he's in the guise of. Jeremiah Moss, he says, uh, "There's a balance. There's a, a natural balance to the world, and you being here has tipped the balance." It's he doesn't need for me. He never needed anything more than he's just an ethereal power that is seeking to write a, a balance. That and he's working through Thomas. Now you're absolutely one hundred percent right that how is he working through Thomas? Thomas just disappears and apparently falls to this man. But for me, it will. For me, again, I, I've read so much cosmic horror and ethereal power stuff that he is just an ancient. For me, he was just an ancient super creature that was seeking uh, balance. That bit of me came across nicely, but I'm probably inferring my own stuff because I know how to read that kind of thing. Not saying you don't. I'm just saying I've probably got used to that style. I mean, in t like, I don't, I don't disagree with you entirely there, Johnson. Like, it, it, it's obvious that he's a, a supernatural big bad, but I do feel like he deserved more time and energy because the the only bits of him that you get, you drip fed that he has followed those kids since they were children. Mm -hmm. He is seemingly obsessed with Thomas over Faith. We're never told why. We're never told what balance is tipping, what, like, it's just, everything is so vague. And I feel like he could have been way more interesting if we'd just been given more than just vagaries. I feel like, like, I wasn't, don't get me wrong, I'm not expecting, like, a LinkedIn profile for Jeremiah Moss. <laughs> I, just, I just want more than, hi, ah, he's kind of bad. He's an ancient bad. Mm -hmm. Look, they're spooky. Like, it just felt... 
a bit glazed over for me and I wanted more. Yeah, I, I would say this, though. It does explain why he chose Thomas over Faith. He act, actively states it outright. He says uh, Faith is far too pure. Uh, Thomas is overly arrogant and uh, feels he's too good. So he was able, he chose Thomas because he saw an easy way in. He knew he couldn't touch Faith at this point. It was that, un, un, unlike the rest, you're right, a lot of the other stuff wasn't, but that one bit was actually made clear. He said outright, I can't, I couldn't get you as children. You were too pure. So I watched Thomas and then Thomas fell. Adding on to Johnson's point, he, they also mentioned about uh, Thomas's powers being stronger uh, mm. quite early on. So I always assumed that was the reason until they actually said what Johnson just mentioned. Mm. So I do, I do think why he chose Thomas is clarified, but everything but, else said is a whole yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I, I only had one pick up on that. Is it does it? But the, you know, you are rest. It is a bit. So he said he's balancing out, but what balance were they? Yeah. What like, what what imbalance had they caused by existing? Because it was clear that he thought, for some reason, them existing in human form was a corruption or an imbalance. But yeah, he didn't go on to explain why. That well, what imbalance have they caught? How how have they caused an imbalance that needs correcting? You know, he's. And more to the point, if there is a balance that needs correcting and their energies like these, like Faith and Thomas, however they are now mm. and whatever they were before, but whatever they are now apparently is an issue. When you get to the end and Thomas is apparently reincarnated or like the spirit of mm. Thomas in a teeny tiny child, no balance has been corrected. <laughs> yeah. Little girl, like... That I think that's why I couldn't give the free pass on. The, there's a there's a unbalance yeah. because like you you can't say there's an unbalance and then have his energy back again in a child at the end of the story, yeah. and also the child is a device. I'm sorry, but no matter how many times I sit and think about it, it makes fucking no sense. You could easily just start the book at young Stephen going out clubbing with his mates. The first chapter and the end chapter for me are completely obsolete. Because what, what's the point? Like, what are they trying to do? Because in the first chapter, Stephen's been brought round by the little girl's mother because the little girl's mother's been told by her friend that Stephen has experience with this kind of thing, which mm. suggests that he's kind of working as, as some sort of medium or something. But then you get to the very last bit and he's talking to Faith and Faith's going to go in on her own to talk to the girl because they've been hunting down Thomas the reincarnated version of Thomas, which is not what the opening suggests. And I just, I just left there, like, scratching my head going, but why? Why even, why? I will answer you as to why, Natalie, <laughs> because I, I, like you, have thought on this, and I've come up with one logical answer, and it is, I, I prepare, I'm going to blow your socks off. <laughs> the only logical answer is he wanted to confirm that Stephen Cross faith ship still existed into <laughs> adulthood. That is that's the only logical reason. Even though it's a stretch, I admit it. It's pointless to confirm that one fact 
But that's the whole reason both those chapters exist, to confirm Stephen and Faith still love each other. I didn't have enough to warrant that there being <laughs> a mess. I'm sorry. Like, the relationship was adorable, but they're clearly teenagers. They were clearly moving to different locations. Not bothered. I just... Mm. They were unnecessary chapters if that was a deep pull for that particular reason. Like, I just I just didn't get it. The, the, the little girl bit, like, it set you on course for one thing and then gave you something different. And I think, like, objectively, you take away the chapter at the beginning with the little girl and the chapter at the end with the little girl. You just start it with Stephen. You're then reading this story not knowing that there's a fire at a campsite and all the fucking gypsies and travellers and whatnot are in are in mortal danger of some hmm. sort of massive accident or fire or arson happening. That's going to be that you, the payoff you get from that sequence at the end is then way more interesting. You've started the book knowing that you're building up to this, so you're just waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And then when the guys are like in their car and trundling, you're like, oh, this is where they set shit on fire. And you already know. And like this massively important sequence where they're, they're driving around this field and he's launched quickly mm. like small fucking bombs at the fucking caravan and nearly killed a kid. Like you're not nearly as concerned or invested because you already knew it was going to happen. And I just think take away the opening chapter or or just do something better with the end one. <laughs> having Faith go, oh, I just needed to know it was him. Do you want me to go in with you, Faith? No, it's okay, mm. Stephen. Stay in the car. I'll go and talk to her myself. Good, good, yeah. good. Like what? That, that gave nothing. She already knew when Thomas dies in Faith's arms, Thomas says to her, it's okay. This isn't it. This isn't mm. the end. That's, you don't need faith hunting down yeah. reincarnation. It would be more poignant and more beautiful if he dies in her arms and she lets him go, knowing that his energy is going to be out there somewhere and leaves him in peace. Her hunting him down and tracking down some fucking little girl that's like gone a bit, I see dead people. <laughs> I, I just didn't feel like, I feel like the book would be massively improved with the removal of the little girl chapters because the story would be more condensed. But I just feel that if you remove the chapter at the beginning and the chapter at the end of the little girl, you'd have a more poignant ending with Thomas and Faith. Thomas, it's alluded to, knows that there is something extra. He's going to go on to something else. He he isn't, this isn't the end of him. That would be way more beautiful and way more poignant she just he just dies in her arms and that's it mm. and you'd also be starting the book not knowing there's going to be a massive fucking fire at a campsite i just i didn't feel like that there's when i when i read that first chapter i was like ooh okay so and but it was in my head for the entire remaining 80% of the book and it didn't give me a payoff at all that initial opening chapter was really interesting and it made me carry on reading, but then it ended up taking away from the book for me because it didn't result in any payoff. It just, it spoiled a part of the book that I, I was aware was going to happen and then led to this end chapter, which spoiled the death of Thomas for me. 
who mm. was an underutilized character in the first place and you took one of his most beautiful significant and poignant moments in the story and then trivialized it because oh he's in a little girl now and he's drawing pictures of caravans on fire but remember listeners we like this book i thought yeah i do like i know that probably sounded like really really mean-spirited um but like it it just frustrated me a little bit and i'm only this frustrated because i genuinely liked the story and i genuinely liked the characters and i just wanted more and i think that's it i'm being greedy is basically my main issue is i'm greedy and i want like four extra chapters and i want more information in the ones that we were given already like it was fundamentally there were really good characters and there was really interesting plot points and the supernatural aspect of it i really vibed on like i liked it my only negative is he didn't give me enough like that's the, that's like that's a first world <laughs> problem my yeah. negative in this book is that the author didn't give me enough book book <laughs> mm are you closing your sandwich, Burns, or are we having an open sandwich? That's uh, that's me. It was an yeah. open sandwich with a, a slightly positive end. <laughs> it was a bittersweet sandwich. Mm. I ended up with a give me more book. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, for the, yeah, I'll I'll take a bite out of a sandwich now as well. Then, and I'll open up saying that yeah. Well, repeat again. You know the the character the, the character's good because, yeah, it was, yeah. Stephen and Faith were were good. You know, and it was all, it was all and it the story itself was interesting. How you said, and I, I did, I did want to keep go. I did want to keep going. I did want to go to the next chapter, see where it leads, see what they're doing, which is, which was good and. Uh, you know, and it, it did draw you in a bit. Now, for my negatives are going to go a bit, my sort of negative cheese section is a bit different to everyone else's because the notes I made, the one that actually did it for me was, it was a, it was a near whiplash moment. I nearly got whiplash from one of the bits was you're going through the, you're going through the book and everyone's just acting one way, you know, Oh, we're at a night. We're at a bar. We're at a nightclub. Everyone's chatting. Everyone's talking. Going through, and then twenty-five percent of the way through, he suddenly says, uh, uh, "Stephen suddenly says, oh, 'Oh, I've got revision to do.' Ow! Hang on, that was bloody whiplash. What do you mean you're a kid? When when, when was that obvious that you were a sixteen-year-old? Ow! That really hurt. You said, uh, but several of you talked about you've wanted to move to France for years." What, since you were 12? Everyone was fine with a 12-year-old moving away. What? You're a kid. No one had a problem with you being at a bar. What? Ow. And then, uh, then there's a throwaway line at about the 30% mark where he says, where Brendan is, is with Steve, Stephen's with Brendan in, the, um, in, the, in his truck going to, to do their scrap metal stuff. And he says, oh, it'll be good for faith to have someone her own age and you go oh jesus it's literally just stephen faith and thomas that are 16 year olds everyone else in the story is over 18 right okay i can sort of deal with that 
And then I was thinking, oh, well, it did say 20 years previous at the start of part one after the, you know, the prologue. So I was like, oh, that's okay. Maybe it was in the 80s and uh, and so on when, you know, people were a bit more relaxed about 16 year olds in the pub. Then Faith goes into a shop and someone's listening to an iPod. iPods are only 18 years old, which means the stuff with a little girl is set in the future. What? Hang on a sec. So it's future from now. So, so that means that when they go to the pub, everyone, everyone in the early two thousands are fine with sixteen year olds being in their pub and club, and no one says anything. It's like, hang on, no backup. You don't know what time. And it, it, it's a current current theme for me that he doesn't seem to know. The author doesn't seem to know what time is. <laughs> There's several things where it's just like. If you'd run an, run this through an editor, he would have picked up a couple more points. But it's a bit. There's a few times where it picks up like that, and so it's that it's in the future. And he mentions mobile phones as a, a common occurrence, as in it's normal that everyone's got one, and it's actually odd that the travellers don't. So that again sets it in the sort of 2002 to 2000 sort of five region which means that 20 years plus from that is the future to us. And it's just, and that, that was what, why it took a couple of sessions for me because it whiplashed me out of the story and went, hang on a sec, these are fecking kids. When was that obvious? When was that made? I mean, for me, I assumed when he was talking about um, his studies, I assumed he was at, like at college. So I was, I thought he was like 18, 19 at college, pre-uni, but after mm. school. I, I just assumed because of his going out and stuff, that would place him about 18, 19, college type. Yeah, but, yeah, it could be, but he, he never mentions college. He actively mentions school. And and in this country, and at first I thought, oh, is he, oh, is it, Amer- is he, is it an American author? So he thinks when, say, you know, school would still set him at about 18. And then I read, oh, no, he's a British author. So it was just a bit like, I don't think you understand what time is. <laughs> it, do, it doesn't yeah. seem that's for me. That was this is the only negative. All the other stuff are more sort of story based. And I and I assumed it was a novella. So some of the lighter details didn't bother me that much because I thought, oh, it's a novella. Of course, it's not going to go into a bit further detail. The negatives for me were just that, that he was just like, hang on a sec. Uh, so he's a kid. But why did everyone else talk about, you know, about their past as if it was, you know, their childhood as if it was past, if they're all kids, then there was that throwaway line and the fact that it's just Stephen Thomas and Faith that are, are kids, everyone else is an adult. I was like, oh, right, okay, I can deal with that. My only other negative is the fact that the alleyway where Sean, uh, where Sean and his mates are killed is apparently 100 metres long. That is the length of Big Ben. That is one feck off alley. <laughs> so again, it's 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 a process. My only negatives are it's clear it is clearly a new company and it's a new author because it hasn't gone through the full proofread editing process where an editor would have gone through and gone, Dave, did you did you mean a hundred meters and not a hundred foot? Because those are very very different sizes, mate. And he goes, oh, why? How long's hundred meters? And then you say. It's the length of Big Ben. And you go, yeah, I'm going to change that to 100 foot because that's a stupidly long alley, you know, <laughs> and other stuff like that. It goes, Dave, you, you, you 
characters are kids, but you don't actually mention that they're kids until 30% of the way through the book. That can be a bit jarring, mate. Because there is literally no mention of any form of underageness or even close to ageness whatsoever until chapter seven, at which point is about a quarter, thirty uh, percent of the way through the book, and it's like oh, that's a bit jarring. But that's for me. That's that just shows that that's an editing process, not uh, a not a problem with the author, not a problem with the book itself. If you see what I mean, if it can be pro- if it can be cleared up in the proofread then it's not much of an, you know, if it's a fundamental error with the story, then that's an issue. But it, if it could be cleared up with a couple of lines put in, in the proofread, then done. It's not that bad for me. Uh, that, that was, those are my negatives for it. Uh, the positives were, um, well, no, I'll keep on the negative. I'm with you on the flashback. I suddenly, I've actually written a note down to myself. I suddenly went, seemingly told him flashback for some reason. <laughs> it was just that sort of moment. Was like, oh, it's because I read because I saw you know you got the prologue with the little oh, you got the prologue with the little girl uh, Stevens brought in, then it cuts back to um, him as a kid meeting Faith, and I went uh, and I went okay, so maybe the first two chapters are are this, and it's it's just him quickly flashing back to the incident of the fire, where what the little girl's saying. And the rest of the story is about how this shadow man is after this little girl. If you see what I mean. Yeah. But then I, I, it just, yeah. And then it just continued. I was like, right, okay. So this is just now told in flashback. Then, right, okay. Uh, again, it was one of those moments where I just sort of had to go, right, okay, give me a sec. Yep, right. I, I can, I can deal with it now and carry on. But yeah. Uh, and to top it off, because I will actually do a, a compliment sandwich, because I, as I say, I did actually enjoy this book. Overall, this, like we've said before, the story was was interesting. The story did get me, and I was just like, you know what? I actually want to find out what happens to these people. Now, I want and I want to see Sean Walker get his up, um, comeuppance. And if listeners are wondering why I've said his surname, unlike the others, it's because the author says that guy's surname multitude of times which really annoyed me it says sean walker came out of the i don't give a i know who the sean character is mate no need to give me his bloody surname it's almost as if he was a school bully and you're trying to drill that name into other people's heads as a dick as well you know (laughs) but (laughs) yeah but overall no but overall i actually cared what is you know what happened to them and and it's oh this is i actually it's it's one way i actually sat down and went i actually i actually do care you know what you know what i will read the next chapter and then read through and went, oh, a development. I will read the next chat and so on. I overall, you know, as a compliment sandwich, it's like good characters. Author doesn't understand what time is. Good story. I think you guys have covered a lot of the points, really. Uh, the only thing I would like to, to say is um, to anyone who isn't English or British at all, if they want to just pick this up and you'd get, for the first couple of chapters, you'd get a snapshot of what it's like to go out clubbing or anything in in England. Mm. It, everything yeah. is summed up perfectly yeah. <laughs> on a night out. Yeah. <laughs> that's it what I mean. Is, it, it's so well-developed. Yeah. That's what I meant by the, the stuff, why it was such such a whiplash, you know, neck-snap moment that there were kids. I was just like, he's... He's talking as if he's adults because he's got that, like you say, he's got the um, 
nightclub and the pub atmosphere down to the T. Reading that, I go, yeah, I've had these nights. Yeah, I. This is exactly what it's like. <laughs> oh, you've gone for a, um, you've got a, sh- you know, uh, you get a round of shots and you've gone for a piss. The piss said in the group has already downed the shot you were meant to have. Yeah, I understand. You know, <laughs> so yeah, you are right with that. It's just like that was, yeah, that is well developed and it does give you a snapshot of what sort of clubbing the the pub and club scene in a, a major city is sort of like. Yeah. I think as well, like the use of um, thing, things like the grapes and Vine Street. Mm. The, these are names of pubs and clubs all over the UK. You can find them in yeah. Liverpool, Manchester and Leeds. And the setting of this book felt like a beautiful love child of Leeds and Liverpool and Manchester for me. I can like visualise areas and like just amalgamated them together mm. to this like super city and it was kind of cool yeah it felt it felt british but even you also... some dialogue in the language was just yeah. so essentially yeah british i also loved how through his writing you knew even before they mentioned the fact that the nearest hospital is nottingham which is quite near quite near the end of the book which is the hospital that brendan goes to after he is uh, after the shadow man sets him on fire um even before that, you knew full well that this is North Midlands, South Yorkshire type area. Like you say, you've got you've got that triangle of Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds. You've got that rough area, and you knew just through his just through his talk, uh, talking, just through his writing, you knew that's the area of the of Britain he was talking about. There's no way you could have thought he was down in London or up um, near. Newcastle or in Wales or wherever you know there was no way you could mistake it. you knew he was there so when he said oh we we sent him to the ne- he was sent to the nearest hospital which was New- uh, Nottingham that wasn't a surprise you went yeah that sounds about right for where they <laughs> yeah yeah and like just some some of the words like the language mm-hmm. throughout is a massive positive for me I, I remember being 16 and going like going out with my mates and we knew we weren't meant to and trying to get into clubs and mm. the way that you talk to each other when you're that age yeah. and you're just ripping the shit out of each other all the fucking time because you've not really developed past that yet. You just you're a kid on the cusp of being a grown up. Yeah. But you're still a kid. And just the way you speak to each other and the way you react to things. That it felt so, yeah, it just felt great. Like Mm. those little, little, it was little gems like that that made that book really enjoyable. Strawn, have you got any more points? Have you got your sandwich? No, like like you guys have covered pretty much everything. Um, (laughs) I will say that, like, I don't think the, the proofreading was the. The, the, the issue um, I just think it, sometimes small details do get like do slip out um, mm. if you're reading something like meters cannot always be uh, like a thing that jumps out to you mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah that I'm uh, not gonna lie that didn't jump out at me at all I of how long 100 meters are i don't even yeah. remember reading meters in that sequence yeah. it See, said alley i visualized an alleyway in a probably, big city yeah. and just i i bypassed the yeah. measurement 
problem with yeah. being a physicist. I know, <laughs> uh, I know units. I know units of measurement. So the moment he said that, went hundred meters. Yeah, that's wrong. Well, <laughs> pretty big. And so, yeah, and and to give myself and to give a scale so I could do it for this, I just went. I just typed in 100, 100 What's one hundred meters? Yeah. And you know, it said, and it said the Tower of Westminster, which it, which is what holds Big Ben, is a hundred meters, or hundred meters is roughly the length of a an official professional, you know, football for any American listeners soccer pitch. So I was just like, Jesus, that's a fucking long alley. <laughs> but again, it's one of those ones because I know the de- that kind of detail. That's what jumped out of me, and I can I can completely understand that. None of none of the others, no one else of you lot picked that up. Not because yeah. you don't understand, but because it's not one of those types of details. It's in your brain. Yeah, it's, it's one it of those is, details. Like you, you heard a length, you heard an alleyway and a length, and you just went right. So it's a long alley in the darkness. Yeah. Got it. You moved on. Whereas it snapped, slapped me in the face. And went, Jesus Christ, mate, that's long. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've worked with the the girl who edited this. I imagine. Um, and I know she's quite meticulous with details, so I, I can't imagine the proofreading was the issue. I just think it's one of those things, like you say, that people, unless you have a point of reference for how big 100 metres is, which not a lot of us do, yeah, we do now, um, Yeah, but you, would, you wouldn't think, fucking hell, yeah. it's a big alleyway. Yeah. But yeah, no, I know, I think you guys have covered a lot of the points. I just, like I say, like the one thing for me was it painted British life almost perfectly. Like that whole club scene and everything like that it was down mm. to a tee um we've all been 16 trying to get into clubs we've all had to deal with a dickhead chasing his home or something at some point we've all had to deal with a mate who's eating a dodgy kebab and <laughs> you know, gassed us all out i mean it, it all <laughs> i loved that bit yeah <laughs> oh that yeah yeah just for again spoilers there uh, that Sean Walker go. They're in a start of the book. They're in a. Um, they've been to the pubs, and as British uh, anyone British knows, the moment pubs or clubs kick out, you're in a, a takeaway. You're in a, a kebab shop. They're in there eating. The local drug dealer walks in, being an arsehole, and Thomas pipe. Uh, Thomas pipes up, much to the chagrin of everyone else. And at that point, they all have to run off. So they're running off down alleyways. They all find they're being chased by Sean and his gang. They find a shutter. They pull it up, crawl under, bring it back down. Sean has no idea where they are. They listen out. They can hear that Sean is is, is angry that they've been lost. And then words are said about, oh, should we give up? Then one of the characters farts disgustingly. <laughs> And everyone in there is holding back, you know, sort of screams. And then, of course, that's what eventually that's what drives. I love the fact that that's what drives the bullies off. The bullies yeah. just turn to one of their mates and go, you dirty bastard, you farted. And of course, he goes, oh, no, I didn't. And they go, well, I can fucking smell it, you bastard. And then they and seemingly another distraction hap- with that kind of wanker. A distraction happens and they just wander off now with that new distraction and that's that 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 did actually make me laugh out loud that bit because yeah. It's like, yeah i know exactly i've been in that position where you're in a tight situation not as in scared for your life but in a cramped situation and someone fucking farts and it's like oh you dirty cunt <laughs> it's a very british humor though isn't it yeah. like a dirty fart is always hilarious like they don't immediately mm-hmm. 
turn on top. Like, is it is it Thomas that eats the dodgy kebab and does the? I think it's Thomas that farts. Brandon. Uh, yeah, it's Brandon. Yeah, it's Brandon that does it. Yeah, that's the. But, like none of them turn on him and are like, "Oh my god, you're disgusting! I'm so offended." They're just like, "You dirty pig! I nearly yeah. died. You nearly yeah. gasped to death. We wouldn't have had to worry about Sean because you'd have killed us with your gas." Like it was just, it's so fucking British to just laugh about farts. It yeah. was just <laughs> it's a little like a proper little joy bubble for me. <laughs> like I, I sat there and had like a proper hearty little laugh when the fart joke happens and then like they bring it up when the they say like they return back to the campsite mm. and they're telling everybody what happened and they're all pissing themselves laughing about the fart and ripping them about this fart and it's just so fucking british it's hilarious yeah. it's how he says like i was worried that we'd be stuck in there till the shopkeeper turns up and yeah. one off goes there just be you on your own because we'd have all that we'd have all been gassed out <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's stereotypical British humour. And that's what I mean. You could hand this book to someone who isn't British in the slightest, like living on any listeners that aren't British. I'd highly recommend reading it just to get a snapshot of what British life Mm -hmm. is like in those first initial chapters because it's just, it's perfect. It reminded me, like, the earlier chapters before the freaky deaky shit of Ferns will pick up on this way more than me. Uh, Sorry. Not than me, than you guys. Like early series skins went before it got fucking weird and first season skins, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, first couple of seasons skins where they were normal people. Like yeah. it, it it took me there and I was like, I like this a lot. And then Make an immediate, like you you could almost imagine Chris in skins okay. farting and being the farter because like he is that guy that would have just been like Burr, burr. And like, just had everybody else fucking crying. Yeah, I I get that vibe completely. I completely agree. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Anything else to add, then, guys? Or um, oh. no, just as as much as I had some nitpicky things because I'm a pretentious, avid reader that just wants more all the time like I want a hearty book and this is a novella and I should treat it with the the respect it deserves for what it is but for the length of that book all my little niggly things aside it's a really good read guys anybody listening do do pick it up do download it it's an it's a really nice little break book breaks up your day the characters are nice and enjoyable the locations are really well put together. The story is actually quite interesting. Take it for what it is. It's a short story. It's a little mm. detailed out in places. Um, if you you know, if you're like me and you're used to reading big tombs, then it's gonna be a little bit jarring because you're given a lot less information. But as it is, for what it is, and the length of the book that you get, you get a really good story with some really well-developed characters and some pure nuggets of gold scattered <laughs> throughout. So, yeah. high five to the guy. This is your first book. You're probably not going to listen to this, but if you do, please don't mm. be put off by my being a nitpicky bastard. I genuinely enjoyed your book, and I'm looking forward to seeing mm. more. And just go balls out next time you you've got you've clearly got it in you to write something deeper 
give me more next time because <laughs> I enjoyed what I had this time. My only real fucking issue was I wanted more. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? Typical woman response. Unhappy that a man didn't give her enough. <laughs> give me more, damn it. <laughs> give me more. What, you finished already? Well, I'm not. That's a solid point, though. Like, it's that, that's a sign of a good author to me that if you like, mm. you finish the book and you still want more. Yeah. Yeah. I'll like... just... Sorry, carry on. I didn't. I thought I was on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to uh, make a final point. I'd really like to read this guy just do like non-fantasy shit. But if he just did. If he did some skins knockoff about Stephen living in the traveller community, I'd buy the shit out of them. I'd pay ten pounds for that book. It would only have to be this size. I'd give him ten quid for it. Like a hundred percent. His character work and making you buy into there's not one I didn't get confused by two characters for the whole mm. book. Yeah. Like exactly. some of them are similar, like Stephen's friend Patrick and Sam. They were similar, but I, I knew the difference between the two. Mm. Brendan and Jim, were, Brendan and Jim were similar, but I knew the difference between the two. He made sure everyone had clear, concise differences. Yeah. So I, I'd love to see him like take the reins on something more um, grounded. Yeah, I I quite like I quite enjoyed the the sort of the I don't know if subtext is the right word, but basically of him breaking down the reader's prejudice towards the traveller community as well. You get to see inside them and say, and basically, they are human beings. They just live a different life to you. It wasn't, it, it wasn't preachy. It didn't slap you in the face with, uh, like, some books where they go, you know, get it, this is, you're wrong, you're wrong, the finger-wagging thing. It was very much a, you realise as you're reading, these are just human beings. And you you get angry at the other at the other sort of passing characters that are arseholes towards them, and you realise, oh, hang on a sec, I'm angry for these travellers. You know, it it's a breaking down of that sort of barrier, and I quite enjoyed that. Where it's just it wasn't preachy, but you suddenly realised, oh, actually, this is a, a a nice take on something different. You know, it would have been it would have been far too easy to basically go you know, to basically the author to wag his finger at you and go, stop being a dick about travellers. It was a, a lovely bit where you go, actually, yeah, the, it, you're, you realise you're treating them as human being and that sort of ruse goes into the back of your brain where, oh, maybe, did did I not before? Oh, that's what, and it gives it your little something to think about. And I quite enjoyed that. I don't know if I'm the only one that took that away. but No, I, I agree with you completely. I think um, there were really obvious um, characters that were used as a device to put that over but I think the most interesting one was Steve's mother like mm. the way he acts when you know he's lied and he said he's going to his mate's house and he's at the festival instead and there's the fire at the festival yeah. and she has to go to him and she finds out about everything and she's just her knee-jerk reaction is like you're not going to see them people anymore yeah. And the way that he manages that situation and the way he ends up talking to her about it afterwards and using the grief and the loss of his father as a way of kind of explaining like, no, these are people and they're talking to me mm. like people. Don't you judge them 
like that because they're being more like human beings to me than you are right now. Yeah. And I think that was a really, really beautiful device to show like what your knee-jerk reaction to that community is mm. and what a balanced view of that should really be. Yeah. Well, lovely sentiment, guys. <laughs> we Is sound starting <laughs> <laughs> And you had to ruin it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got nothing more to add, really. A enjoyable read. Yeah. Okay. If you like what you've heard from us and you want to buy the book, by all means, go over to atrantohouse.com and you can buy it either physically for pre-order or it's up on Kindle. If you want to get in touch with those guys, we're available on Gmail at namachelproductions at gmail.com. And you can see how that's spelt above or below, however it's turned up. We'll also provide a link for the the book website above or below, however it pops up on your medium. On that note, Gaiman. King. Cratchit. Snyder. <laughs>